Hi, my beautiful people. I just wanted to let you know about a book that's helped me save a lot of money. The book is called How to Buy in Today's Digital World, Tips for Those Who Want to Save a Buck. This book provides step-by-step -step tips on how to save money on your online purchases. It also instructs you on making smart financial decisions when buying groceries, booking flights and hotels, plus lots more. I hope you get a chance to get your copy. I think you'll love it, and I know you'll save some money. Available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You're listening to Augustus Cho's Fry It Up podcast on the Nana Music Network. cultural icon no doubt about it and still going strong <laughs> certain movies and songs that instantly transcend time and place and if you're fortunate enough to be part of that then you're locked into immortality by association my guest is one of them who will live on and you will understand what i'm talking about soon majority of the world at one point or another have seen the movie saturday night fever in fact, you probably can tell me exactly where you saw the movie and whom you were with, because it's one of those films. The film put John Travolta on the map and also brought back a group called the Brothers Gibbs, also known as the Bee Gees. Now, I've always enjoyed and appreciated their music, but they totally reinvented themselves with the release of the Saturday Night Fever album. And in so doing... They blew up the world, ushering in the disco era. And part of that great wave was my guest. <laughs> He's actually the person who taught John Travolta's now memorable and famous dance steps and moves that we are also familiar with. And I recall so many men trying to reproduce the steps <laughs> on the dance floor so many years ago. Of course, some with greater success, success than others. But you know when such behaviors take place, someone made an impact in society. And that someone is my guest. With that intro, I welcome to the mic, Denny Terrio. How are you, Denny? I'm good, Augustus. How are you? Good. How'd you like that intro? That was fantastic, man. You covered all the basics. <laughs> hey, thanks for coming on. Thank you. You know, I never thought I would see you again 42 years later. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, it's funny because I'll be somewhere and they'll find out I'm there and they put the finger up. They start doing the point every time they see me. You know, that that I, I've seen that in it, movies and, and everything. It's, it's like a phenomenon, you know. Oh, I've seen that poster of John Travolta with that, you know, the pointing arm thing, finger thing, even in Thailand. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> it blew up all over the world, and, and, and you had a lot to do with that. So before I we did. get there, though, how you been? I've been good. I've been good. Uh, you know, the pandemic's kind of shut down my business, which is live shows, 
uh, with Casey and the Sunshine Band. And, and you know, um, uh, we, we've been doing the ultimate disco cruise. And so we've done it two years, but last year we had to cancel it. We're going to do it again in 2022. The Jacksons, uh, Sister Sledge, we get all the great groups on these cruises. So that's one of my big shows that I do during the year. Well, sign me up for that, Danny, because I'll be there. Oh, it's fantastic. It really is. Yeah, I want to be, uh, you know, about 45, 50 years younger than I am today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, brother. I know what you mean. You know, I, when you see those uh, movies and those uh, cultural iconic scenes, you know, it makes you think about lots, lots of different things. And, I mean, Travolta was a good actor, but I didn't think he was such a great dancer until I saw that movie. And yeah. then I asked myself, where in the hell did he get that from? <laughs> and it was well, you. I, I've got a surprise for you. Uh, not many people have seen these. I pulled this out of my archives. I'm going to try to show you here. Um, and you tell me if, if I got it good. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Looks, looks looking good there. <laughs> <laughs> that was a long time ago now, Augustus. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I can appreciate that, though, you know, because I'm yeah. still probably about 20 years old in my heart. Absolutely. And, and that's what it's all about. You know, keep yourself in good shape. Keep your spirit young and, and you'll stay young. Yeah. You know, I read somewhere and I see my calendar every day, you know, my iPhone. And it says uh, it's not the age, it's the vibration. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, you know, I try to stick with that. <laughs> um, obviously, you know, you are a superb dancer. How, how did they come to be? How'd you get into dancing? Well, you know, the funny thing about it is a lot of the movie was what I was doing back in the day. I was actually going to dance contests in Los Angeles. I won the state singles and couples championship in, uh, in the seventies. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> at, 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 at Disneyland, you know, full house. And all the great dancers from all over the uh, California came. And, and so it kind of blossomed from there. But I had never done any choreography. And one day I was out by the pool in Hollywood. And I was talking to this young lady, Deborah Pratt. And she told me that her manager managed John Travolta. Now, he was doing Welcome Back, Carter at the time. Right. She said, they're doing this movie called The Tribal Rights of the New Saturday Night. <laughs> and I said, okay. She goes, they might be interested in you. You know, you're a street dancer. That's what they're looking for. So I went to this guy's office, and I had a reel-to-reel. -reel. Now, I'm terrible with technology. So I couldn't find the light. The guy gave me the Hollywood brush off. He said, well, I'll, I'll call you. <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean... You know, as a dancer, I was eating a lot of peanut butter back then to stay alive, you know. Oh, I imagine. So I'm not going to let this pass me up. I moved all the furniture. I turned the radio on, on his stereo. I, I thought he was going to call the cops on me. And and Jungle Boogie from Cool uh, in the Gang came on. Jungle Boogie. <laughs> yeah. And I started dancing. And the guy got on the phone and he called Paramount. He goes, I don't know what this guy's doing, but it's fantastic. And it's right for this movie. <laughs> Next thing I know, I'm in the studio with John Travolta. How about, how old were you then? 22. And how old was John? He's about three or four years younger than me. Okay. Okay. When you first saw it, go ahead. He was just starting out on Welcome Back, Cotter. 
Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That that was that was pretty good. It, it's one of those uh, shows that I still remember, and uh, I like the characters on that show. But when you said the seventies, that sounds hell of a lot better than the last last century. So yeah, we do not. Yeah, I try to sugarcoat it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? At some point, I'm not even ashamed of the fact that I'm a child of the sixties and seventies because we had one hell of a music scene. We danced. It was a great cultural time to be alive. It really was. And, and you know, it's funny because when we do these cruises or I do these live shows, 4,000, 5,000 people, you can see these people. I, I mean, they're aged, but you can see the youth coming back in. And when they hear the music, you know, it's crazy. They start doing the hustle. And, and so <laughs> you know, music is, is a wonderful thing. But that music was particular happy. It had great lyrics romance you know dance and so it was a great time great time yeah and that opening in the opening dance when travolta goes to that disco and that saturday night music starts <laughs> and he starts moving the dance floor clears and it, you know it's like damn yeah that's a that's a shock right there and because you came out with those steps i mean you put not only the film but you put him on the map forever yes a absolutely and you know what i couldn't have done it when he first came into the rehearsal hall, when I first met him, he said, I already know how to dance. <laughs> you know, I said, okay. So I put some music on and he started doing the Barbarino thing, you know, from Welcome Back Carter. Yeah. I said, that's good, John. Now sit down. And I put my music on and I started doing the clock splits, the Russian leaps. Oh, man. Um, the, the point. And he said, I want to learn that. <laughs> and once, he, once he said that, I knew I had him, you know. So, and we went on from there. I used to take him to clubs and get him into the atmosphere and the feeling of it. And he was just a wonderful student. You're just a wonderful student. Good. What kind of a human being was he to you? He was great. You know, he was, now sometimes I literally had to drive down to the set of Welcome Back, Cotter, because after the show, the fans would be there and they'd want pictures and autographs. And I'd be on the side going, come on, John. And I'd be pointing at my wrist, you know, my watch. You know, we got time. We got to go dance. But he took it very serious. Um, you know, there was even a point that we, they were going to cut the dance scenes out. And John Whoa. said, if you, do, if you do that, I'll walk. And Who even, said that? At that point, even at that point, he knew that dan the dancing and the music made that film. You said that John, John said that if they cut it out, he's walking. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I agree with that. I think that just set the whole tone. So that's great. Um, <laughs> before you got to, uh, before you went to the Disneyland in, in Anaheim, California, how did you get into dancing? Is that something you always were interested in? How, how did you d evolve into that? Tell well, me. I had, an older, I had an older sister, and on the weekend, she used to bring her friends over, and she'd lock the door, and I'd hear them in there playing music and dancing. So one night I went and fixed the blinds and went outside and I looked in and these girls were having the best time dancing. And, and I said, you know what? I got to learn that because the ladies like it. So, you know, and, and, and that's what started me uh, dancing. I used to go to Teen Town and, and all the different, you know, when I was young and I'd win the dance contests. And so it really came from that. Bandstand. I used to watch Bandstand. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, so 
all those things uh, kind of brought me, and I was good at it. I, I was kind of a natural, and I just picked it up. I loved Fred Astaire. I loved the Nicholas Brothers. I learned how to do splits from the Nicholas Brothers. So, you know, it all came from that. And then when I went out to California, I saw this dance contest. They were giving away money. I said, oh, what a great way to, to not work, you know? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> make money. How old were you then? Were you in your tw- early 20s? I was, I was 19, 20. Yeah, that's a good time to do it. Good time yeah. to do it. Did you ever think, when you look back, that from that moment on, dance would define your life and the quality of your life? 50, 60 years later? No, because I had a passion for it. You know, I mean, when people used to applaud when I do the splits and, and the knee drops and, and, you know, I said, oh, I have a passion for this. They love me. And, and it was kind of a social thing for me. And it just took off from there. So the saying, you never worked a day in your life applies to you. Well, no, there was some rough times. I laid carpet. I, I sold, you know, clothes, you know, and, I borrow, I borrow some and, and bring them back and put them on the rack you know, <laughs> when I go out. But, you know, I took, I took jobs when things were slow. Uh, I worked for Dick Clark at one time. Uh, by the way, Dick Clark was the first guy to bring street dancing really to the mainstream media, because at that time you had to be a trained dancer. But Dick knew that this street dancing was really cool. I was also, they called me the white token in a group called the Lockers which was an all black group. And uh, we did the Roberta Flack special. Uh, I was on Soul Train. So, you know, and, and I just love the way African-Americans dance. They, it, it's like the rhythm, the music gets in them and, and they just, you know, they move to the music. So I picked a lot of stuff up from the lockers and, and, and some of the African-American dancers. No question about it. I mean, as soon as there's a beat and we see African-American, I mean, it just seems so natural. It I, is. Could the, I could do the same move, but it just doesn't seem good. <laughs> that's why you learn that. You know yes. what I mean? That's why you want to learn that. Yes, yes. And uh, party is not quite the same unless you have some African-Americans. They're dancing. Yes, absolutely. And then, and then the party becomes real. I, you have the uh, perspective of time now. When yeah. you look back on it in retrospect, what does it mean to you what has happened in your life at this point? Uh, you know, it, the funny thing about it is I'm still working. So uh, I come on stage, I host a lot of these shows and I do a little dance. I have a dance partner. Uh, you know, it's a passion for it. And, and that movie just, it's timeless, you know? So, you know, even listen, even kids today, you know, if you do the point or say Saturday Night Fever, they go, Oh, we saw that movie. You know, it's, it, it's just span generations. Oh, so, yeah. It's kept it alive and it's done everything for my career, you know, and I always say I always thank John because he was he was quite a gracious guy when it came to that. Uh, He's done a couple documentaries that said, yeah, Denny Terry was the dancer. I'm the actor, you know. Well, that's good. That's good that he's not so egocentric about it. No, he's not. No, that's good. Now, you you were raised in uh, Titusville, Florida. That's called rocket country, isn't it? By NASA. Listen, when the when the uh, missiles used to go up, they would the things would fall off the wall, you know, <laughs> back in the old days, because it was like a bomb was going off. But I was actually born in Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, okay, okay. You ever go over there? You ever go back to those uh, places much? Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah, absolutely. I still got a lot of friends uh, in Florida and Tidesville, and I still got a lot of friends up in Boston, you know. How'd you end up in California? Uh, for what I wanted to do in my life, that was the only place to be, you know. I, I, I always wanted to uh, be on television or, or, you know, as a kid, that's all I did. I mean, I used to go out a lot and play, but I loved movies, uh, you know. Here's the funny thing. All the movies I used to watch, I've performed for. I performed for Fred Astaire. Uh, I performed for Gene Kelly, uh, Donald O'Connor. Uh, you know, and, and it, the funny thing about it is I've been on TV shows with them afterwards. So it was always my dream. You know, I wanted to do that. And I said to myself, my second year of college, I went, let's go out to California just for the summer vacation. I never came back. I stayed there 18 years and, and, you know, it was just a place to be. That's how you, you know, that's how you get discovered. Yeah. Yeah. I don't blame you. I mean, the California is a beautiful, beautiful state to live in. It is. Yeah. I was out there in the early eighties and then I came back East coast. I just yeah. couldn't take that 75 degree perfect weather every day. You know, it just somewhat <laughs> bothered me. I wanted to see some <laughs> snow in it. Listen, it's like Florida. There's no seasons, you know what I mean? It's just, uh, Cool and hot. Yes, and, and unlike Florida, it doesn't rain much, so that's that's even better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Um, you realize at some point that you're going to do dance and dancing for the rest of your life. When, when did that occur? Um, you know, it was just something that all of us, you know, it was going strong, going, and all of a sudden I looked in the mirror and said, I'm such and such age, you know? Yeah. It, it, it's just one of those things that, you know, you have a passion for it and people call you up. They want you to do choreography. Um, I just did a, a, an HBO special about the music from back in that time. I just did a thing for Viacom, uh, CBS in the UK called Icons of Hollywood. Of course, it was about <laughs> John, but they wanted John Travolta, but they wanted me to talk about, you know, what we're talking about right now. And so it, it just, you know, year after year, I get these jobs. Uh, I've worked Madison Square Garden, Radio City Music Hall, all the big conventions, uh, convention centers in, in the United States with all these great groups, KC, Tavares, uh, um, you know, Rolls Royce. And, and so it's just kind of kept me occupied. And then all of a sudden I look in the mirror and go, wow, you know. <laughs> Here I am, you know, yeah, so, yeah. and you know, that's a blessing because to be able to do what you love to do most of your life is really a blessing, you know. Oh, no question about it. It, it, it sounds like uh, for you, the momentum gets stronger and stronger with each passing year. So that's, I'm very, very happy for you. It is. Yes. Thank you. Well, you know, like I said, this music is timeless and the artists that are still around, which is fantastic. They still sound as good, if not better, because back then you better know how to sing. There, yeah. was, no auto -tune. there was no auto tune or, or computers <laughs> to fix everything. You know, these people can really, really still sing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand. I mean, to me, those are the real singers today. I don't know if they're singing or whether it's the auto box or whether more entertainers, you know what I mean? I mean, without yeah. that auto tune, whatever they call it, they sound terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, and they can, listen, they can make my voice sound good, you know? <laughs> you know maybe I, I should go to singing now. <laughs> yeah, and I don't sing that much, you know? Yeah. Um, do you think dance has changed much over the years? Yeah. I, I mean, it has. 
it's gone from, um, to me, it's gone from a lot of the romantic hustle and, and those kind of things where you're close to somebody and, and to, to more of, um, uh, sexualized, sexualized dancing. You know what I mean? Which, which it's, there's a thin line between dance and, 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 and sex, uh, when you're dancing. Now, sometimes you can go too far, you know, and then sometimes you can go right down the middle and it's very romantic. So yeah, it, ha it has changed, but, but people still like to get out on the dance floor, you know, and whichever, you know, there's some dancing now that I, that I, I think is really good. Some other, some of it, uh, but, but dancing <laughs> will always, dancing will always go with the music. If the music is a certain way, you'll find the dance will keep up with that beat. Yes. Yes. I'm on the right coast uh, in North Carolina. And okay. We have something called beach music. You've heard of something called beach music? Yeah. And I don't mean beach yeah. boys. I'm talking beach music. Right, right. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, yeah. okay. So that, with beach music, there's this dance called the shag. Shag. I was just going to let you say it. But yeah, the shag. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and, and I love that uh, genre, you know. And uh, these days, there, there are a certain number of beach music bands, obviously, that hit the circuit, and they, you know, they're, very, they're excellent. I enjoy them very much, and I look forward to them every, every spring and summer. Um, but nowadays, a lot of young kids come, like, as in under 30, you know, like college students and those things. Right. When, when these beach music bands play, you know, people my age from the last century, you know, we go out there and we partner and then we, we dance, we shag, you know. But a lot of these today, uh, young people, they just bounce up and down and they consider that dancing. Is yeah. that what you see? They just go up and down, just jump in place. It's more of an energy kind of okay. thing, you know. And, What's that and, mean? Well, you know, the jumping up and down, you know, it's like that techno. If you ever seen a techno music, it's just like a free form energy. It's like it's like you're trying to get frustration out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, what are they frustrated yeah. about? They don't pay much taxes. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's what I mean. So it's more of an energy kind of thing. Uh, you know, for, for me, like I said, dancing is more steps, coordination between your partner and you. You know, I'm old school when it comes to that. So, but listen, if I'm there and they're jump up, up and down, I'll do it. You know, I can do that too, you know. And we will be right back after this important message. We're back. All right, let me, let, let me, let me uh, circle back and ask you, you spoke about, you know, how artists were real singers and real, real talent at, at back in our age. Um, it, do you think that's, and I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, I still listen to Eagles, you know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. um, is that just a biased perspective of our generation or is that an objective statement that indeed we actually had quality music? You know, it's funny you say that. My father used to say, your generation <laughs> doesn't know what music is. The ink spots, you know, the platters, you know. Oh, yeah. Go, yeah. And then, I, you know, I'd turn to him and say Jackie Wilson. Oh, and yeah. I'd put Jackie Wilson on and he'd go, 
oh, he's fantastic. You know, the thing about it is, is our generation still had wonderful music and wonderful singers, you know, and, and because everybody wanted to be original. They had their own style. They had their own voices. And you could not have a, if you had a bad voice back then, you, you know, you didn't do well. Uh, so I worked with Jackie Wilson for six weeks up in Vegas with Dick Clark. And every night when he'd go on, I would stand backstage and listen to this man. He was phenomenal. Most underrated singer I, I've ever known. And I've worked with everybody. He was phenomenal, Jackie Wilson. So oh, I take, I, go ahead. We, we, we were lucky growing up because we still had bands that were original. We still had bands that had their own identity. And I hate saying this because I like some of the music. <laughs> I, 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 love, I love Bruno Mars. You know, he's, he's like, for me, I can, I can go for that, you know. Yeah. But then there's these, these other groups that they'll have 26, 30 dancers. And, you, you know, you're wondering, well, you know, the why do they have so many dancers or backup singers and stuff? So, you know, listen, it's just a, it's just a choice in life. Uh, I choose to like people that have talent. Oh, absolutely. And I appreciate <laughs> I like Bruno Mars, too. Yeah, some yeah. songs, you know, I appreciate even today. Uh, but I guess I kind of filter it through 70s, 60s, 70s and 80s era of the, the uh, genre. And if it right. kind of fits and it's got some good beat and melody, you know, I like it. But yeah. I find myself that I listen to more of the oldies. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know what they call it oldies. To me, it's real music. But hey, that's just one man's opinion, <laughs> you know. And you know, the funny thing about the oldies music, you do all the lyrics. Yes. You, you, know, what, you know what I mean? You, you do all the lyrics. Now, there was one song that I never danced to, and that's I Will Survive. Oh yeah. Because if you ask the lady to dance, she knew all the lyrics and she'd be <laughs> looking at you like it's your fault, you know? And you go, you know, it, it was really one of those songs that really, you know, the women would get, you know, they're like, Yeah, you you know, you were every guy that or that had a bad relationship with her, you know, and, and so that's one song I never danced to. I love the song and I love Gloria, but you know, yeah, that's that a was yeah, that was their That's national anthem. <laughs> I remember because I was in a town called Chapel Hill, and I used to run to that song as I was jogging around town, you know. And when that song right. came on, it had a good rhythm, a lot of energy. But when I listened to the verse, it's like, damn, <laughs> maybe I'm listening to the wrong song. The funny yeah. thing was I was breaking up with somebody at the time, so I felt like she was talking to me, you know. It's like, yeah. I know. That's what I mean. It, 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 you know, you can look in their eyes and go, yeah, you, you know, I, I just met you, you know, but that, but it was a great song. I mean, Gloria, Gloria is an incredible artist. Uh, yes. I've worked with her so many times and just a sweetheart of a lady, but what a voice on her, you know, um, uh, I've worked with so many great artists, you know, I could go on and on. Uh, yeah. I just recently did a show, uh, the disco show on the cruise with the, re the remaining Jacksons. Which was interesting because, oh. yeah, they did. They did Michael's songs. Did Jermaine show up? No, he, he <laughs> wasn't there. It was, it was, you know, Tito and the rest of them. You yeah, know, but, I got you. But they had a couple of the families, uh, nephews and grandsons. What voices on these kids? So it was a conglomeration of the Jackson family 
with Tito and, and Randy and a couple of them out front. And you know what? You close your eyes and you go, wow, Michael, you know, because I'll tell you what, man, I, I, I met Michael twice. He was such a gentleman to me. Funny thing about it is I'm 5'11", almost six foot tall. He was just a little bit shorter. He's not a small guy. You know, everybody thought he's little Michael. He was pretty tall guy. But I, I, I love Michael. You know, I, oh. that was a guy that that was a pop star, you know, a yeah. pop star. No question about it. Uh, I think a couple of days ago I was at the gym exercising and I, and I put on the YouTube. Uh, I think it was the Jackson uh, Jackson's 30th uh, anniversary at the Grammy Award. And they did a show at the medley. I mean, no one could touch the Jacksons in the 70s Nobody. or in the 60s. When they came on the show, TV show, <laughs> the world stopped. We slipped yeah. at that black and white. And nobody yeah. could touch them. And when I saw nope. them today, it's still the same way. No one can yeah. produce that energy, the, the five brothers putting it on there. No one can touch yeah. them. No. Yeah, I, I got to tell you a quick story, Augustus. I was, uh, I was invited to uh, – Jane Fonda had this get-together. It was a charity thing. And all the big celebrities are going to be there. My manager said, you got to go. So I went there and, you know, <laughs> you're backstage. And you, you want to know who you're following, you know, because, you know, you want to go. So I, I went up to the guy and he had the list. I said, who am I following? He goes, well, let me look. Uh, there'll be Marvin Gaye, Michael Jackson, then you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, whoa. Yeah, no pressure, right? No pressure. <laughs> So I'm backstage and I'm thinking, what am I going to do to get this crowd crazy? So I'm out on stage, I'm doing my thing, and I look at the crowd and I take my hands like part the crowd. So they part about six feet. I do a 360 in the air into a split. No hands come up and I look at the crowd and go like this. They chased me back to the stage. I did a, a chest slide up into a split, turn around, went, good night. <laughs> Come backstage, and, I, you know, I'm sweating, and I'm going, wow. And I hear this voice, Mr. Terrio. And I'm going, where's that coming from, you know? He came out of the shadows. It was Michael Jackson. He goes, yeah. I think you're a fantastic dancer. You know, wow. and, yeah, and, you know, that stuck with me all my life, you know. Uh, same thing with Fred Astaire. I danced for him one time, and he said to me, He's, it was a Merv Griffin show, and Merv asked him, so what do, you, what do you look for in a dancer? He goes, some dancers are trained. They're great. But the great dancers have their own style. And he yes. said, like this gentleman right here, and he patted me on the leg. So wow. those are two things in my life that, you know, really stand out, you know. Those are the two Olympic gold medals. I mean, you have yeah. one king yeah. and the other king complimenting you. I mean, you know, if, if Michael says you're a great dancer, hey. Yeah. That's that's the, that's the end of the paragraph right there. Yeah, but yeah. I think he's still one of my steps. I, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, 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 I would not be surprised, and that's yeah. okay because hey, as consum consuming uh, you know viewers, we enjoy whatever is good, so it doesn't it's bother a me. Compliment. It's a yeah. compliment. Yeah, yeah. With all those split ships that you've been doing, can you still walk straight? Absolutely, I don't <laughs> do them anymore. But <laughs> you know, you are, I mean. Yeah, you can't do those anymore. I mean, you know, uh, but but what I still can do is I still have that rhythm. I still do a lot of the moves that John does uh, from the movie. But, you know, I have my own things that I do. But no, the knee drops and the splits. I had a doctor back in the day tell me, you you won't walk past 30. <laughs> and, and I've still made it, you know. So, 
yeah, he was wrong. You know, he was wrong. Let me tell you, Danny, I can still visualize because I've seen enough of it on TV. You doing the split. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, you know, I had that show Dance Fever for eight years. Oh, yeah. We'll um, cover that. Absolutely. Oh, okay, Absolutely, okay. man. You know, um, I used to teach martial arts, right? I used to teach uh, Taekwondo. To the, uh, uh, my, program, my program was uh, by invitation only. And we used to do stretches and all those things. But let me tell you, man, I, I cannot stretch anymore at my age. But anybody that could have done that, I still appreciate what it takes. Yeah, yeah. Let me circle back to Jackie Wilson you were talking about. You said that he didn't get the honor that he deserves. You know, in the Beach Music Circle, he's still big. We still appreciate their R&B music and that kind of right. a soul music. So we uh, we still dance to Jackie Wilson's song. So yeah. he has not been forgotten. Well, you know, I, I, I didn't tell you that when I was working with John and we were rehearsing, that Bee Gees music wasn't, was being done in the studio. So we never had any of the tracks. So I literally had to pull R&B music because I wanted John to be funky. You know, I, you know, uh, straight. I told him one time, I don't want Barbarino. I want Valentino. You know, you know, I like I, that. I, I want you to be up, but I want you to be loose and funky, you know. And and so we we rehearsed all to R&B music right before he went to New York to film. That's when all the tracks came in. And I was blown away because I'm thinking, is that that group, the uh, the mining disaster, you know, (laughs) you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, The Bee Gees. I couldn't couldn't relate to it because I was in R&B music. And boy, when I heard that soundtrack, I'm telling you, Augustus, I I was like, wow, it was phenomenal. Yeah, even today. And and Bee Gees at that point was more top 40-ish, you know, before then, the late 60s. It's a beautiful melody and all those things. So. Yeah. As you you and I were both old enough to realize, beaches kind of peaked and then they kind of was coming down. So they reinvented themselves, it turns out, and came out with that Saturday Night Fever album and it just blew it up. And they oh. just, you know, you know, and that that song was just unbelievable. Yeah. You should be dancing more yeah. than a woman. Yeah. I mean, beautiful, beautiful music. And and they shot right back up again. You know, yeah. I mean, that. To me, that was one of the great albums of all time. You yes. Know, next still. to Michael Jackson, you know. <laughs> Michael and the Bee Gees, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 either one's good for me. I mean, I yeah. was conscious enough because I was in my early 20s or, you know, late teens when both everything was happening. So I was fully alive to fully enjoy what was going on. And when yeah. that Bee Gees, that, you know, that, that's, that album was incredible because one song will come out, hit number one. Yeah. Months later, a second track will come out. Number one, it was just one after another after another. It was just wonderful uh, era of music. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and they were wonderful times because, you know, you could go to the club, you could dress up, <laughs> pick your hair up nice. You know what I mean? That's you know, there was there was kind of a there was a thing going on where you dressed up, you looked good, you showered, you know, you know, you didn't go out, you didn't go out and get a 25 cent beer with a t-shirt and holes in it. And, you know, a cap backwards. You really wanted to look good when you went out, you know? Yes. So it was a great time. Great time. Yes. And great I was going to actually ask you whether uh, you and John got ready because you already had the track, but you answered that. So that, that must've been pretty phenomenal when you practiced and got John ready without the original track, and then when they play that track, 
with the music, you must have been blown away how everything fit. Yeah, because, you know, like I said, you know, I mining disaster group. Uh, so and we were we were doing a lot of R&B groups, uh, the OJs and 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 groups like that. And I think that's what John liked about it. He liked the R&B kind of sound. And I'm thinking, boy, I hope this music's good. And then I heard you should be dancing. And I went, oh, you know, that's a that's a song that. You you know the drums in the back you know the the beat just it it actually makes you want to get up and dance Absolutely. phenomenal when you it, feel it, the go ahead you know it was a movie that that was a throwaway movie they were all counting on Greece and all of a sudden you know I I think that's probably why it hit everybody was kind of comfortable you know they didn't expect anything and boy when that movie came out you know oof. I think Greece was okay music-wise, but uh, Saturday Night Fever album was just out of the world. I mean, that's, uh, you can't touch that. In fact, when the music starts to play in the theater, you sit in the back, everybody's moving, you know, yeah. in their seat. They want to get up and dance. Yeah, so, absolutely. Absolutely, I guess. Um, yeah. Was John a natural uh, student of dancing, or did you have to kind of work with him a little bit on certain things? Uh, he was unfamiliar with, with street dancing, you know, uh, and, and the feel cause John, you know, John went into Broadway and, you know, he was into that New York scene, although in New York underground discos and things were happening, he wasn't really a part of that. So when he got into this situation as an actor, he had to feel the part. So when he got into the part and I used to take him to clubs out in LA, cause that's where we rehearsed. He jumped into it as an actor full on into it, but he knew he had to get the dancing down, you know? And I was the guy cause I had been, I had been doing clubs out in LA all through the underground, you know, all through the early seventies. And, you know, so, he had the right guy. Luckily, the fit came together because that was my first choreography job. First time I'd ever done choreography. And I just showed him what I knew. And it was like the point. Uh, there was another way of doing that. But then when John started pointing and I'd yell freeze, he'd put that hand on his hip and put the hand, the finger up. And I went, keep it. You know what I mean? I wrote it down on my book. The point, the point, the point, you know, I knew it. We were developing steps right then. And, and that's hard to do because in dance, most steps have always been have been done. But we literally created those steps in the rehearsal hall. Yeah. And that point, that stance right there, that came out with that poster. And that poster even ended up in Thailand somewhere. So anybody's imagination. You know, they asked me uh, recently on this interview for CBS in in uh, in the UK. They said, uh, "Do you consider John a Hollywood icon?" And I went, "No." And they went, "You don't." And I said, "No, he's an international icon." <laughs> you know, and, and they said, "Well, you know, for the tape, say yes, he is a Hollywood icon." <laughs> you know, but but he was so famous. Everywhere in this world, this you know the, that he couldn't go anywhere without thousands of people at the airport. You know, he was huge internationally. Yeah. That poster in Farrah Fawcett's bathing suit poster, 
blew it up, blew it all up. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, that yeah, was when nice. you, Yeah, when you took John to these uh, uh, disco places when you were trying to teach him, how was the public's reaction to him? Because he are, he's been on TV with Welcome Back Carter. Well, you know, Welcome Back Carter was kind of just starting out. A lot of people, you know, watched the show. Uh, more people in New York, and we were in L.A. Right. And, you know, in L.A., there's celebrities everywhere. You know what I'm saying? So when I take John to the club, we were more interested in getting him out on the dance floor. So when we first started, he'd go out. We He had his girlfriend, Diana Hyland, uh, and she would come out with us, and he'd go out and dance a little bit and get kind of familiar. By about the second month, there were girls lined up next to the dance floor waiting for him to get off but it wasn't because he was john travolta it was he was out there kicking it and was john travolta you know so this was beverly hills so you know he literally got so good that girls would line up and say can i will you dance with me next will you dance with me next you know so like i said he was he really wanted this and and he knew that the dancing and the music that was going to that was going to make the film, you know, because, you know, there's a little darkness in that film. Yes. You know, and and the funny thing about it is when you talk to people about it, they never mention it. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He can dance and the music was fantastic. You know, even Paramount at the time, I remember the, the president of Paramount was saying, I don't know if we can put this thing out for for children or, or underage, you know, and and. Then all of a sudden there were lines around the block and he went, okay, this is a hit. He didn't think it was going to work. Now me, I was at the premiere and everybody, you you thought that John, you said that John didn't think it was going to be a hit. No, no. The president of Paramount. Okay. Okay. The executives. Yeah. Because, because they thought, you know, there was too much violence and, and, you know, it was risque. It was more risque than I had thought. It was a little rough. Yeah. And, and so, when I was at the premiere, I mean, everybody was there, you know, every big star and every every actor and dancer standing ovation for about 15 <laughs> minutes when the movie was over. Oh, yeah. It was incredible. I, I'm just looking around going, what? You know, because you don't know, you know, you right. don't know how people are going to take that. Right. But it right. was it was phenomenal. And I knew right then, uh oh, we got a hit. You yes, know, we've got a hit. Yes, yes. And we will be right back after this important message. And we're back. Let me let me backtrack a little bit. How long did it take you to teach John until he got that move that step down? You know, I'd say about five months. Really? You know, about five months. Uh, you know, when there was times John had things to do, so we'd have to cancel rehearsal or something. But oh, okay, you know, I, I'm telling you, I really nitpicked. I I, I really because. As a dancer myself, I, I knew what the audience liked. See, there's a thing about dancing. When, when, when you get out there and dance and you hit certain steps and the audience goes, yeah, you want to keep that. 
So I was the audience. I was being the audience. And when John would do a move, I'd go, oh, they'll like that. We'll work on that. That's what we'll work on. The knee drops. You know, the clock splits where he was spinning around in the yep. splits. Yep. That's called a clock split. People love those things. Now, I did that in my routine. The point. Uh, and so I would keep all those specific steps. And in the premiere, that's the one people were applauding for. Every one of those big steps he did. You know, and the point where he pointed and, and moved around like that. Those are things that I liked. I became the audience and I put that on him. Yeah, well, you did a great job. Now, did you have an <laughs> overview of the steps or was it as you went along, you adjusted it? I'll be honest with you, Augustus. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I, I, had no I had no idea what I was doing. I was a young guy. Uh, it was my first big deal. And so I said to myself, what you got to do is go in there and do what I just told you. Tell him to do this step. If he does it right and it looks good, keep it. And, and that's how we work. We developed that whole thing the two of us in a studio. Wow. Hey, were you sweating at any, at any point? Uh, well, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of the, the producer that produced the show, Robert Stigwood. We got a call that he was coming down. So I'm in rehearsal. John comes in. He's, he's kind of nervous. He goes, Denny, Robert Stigwood's coming in to see what we're doing. I said, yeah, okay. He goes, <laughs> I can't do it by myself. He said, you got to dance with me. <laughs> and I went, really? So Stigwood comes in with all the people around the other producers. And we did all this step back and, you know, this, the role and everything. And dead silence. <laughs> all of a sudden, Stigwood goes, I like it. Well, of course, everybody else started applauding. <laughs> you know, and say, yeah, we like it, too. And and. He actually did. He said, I love what you're doing. And because he was the last word, you know, he owned the Bee Gees. You know, he was their Bee Gees guy. He put the money up. He was the guy. But when he, and I'm telling you, dead silence. And when he started applauding and he said, I love it. I love what you're doing. So we knew we were there. Excellent. Excellent. At some point, unless uh, after you, you know, uh, got John down and all that stuff and you saw the progress of the film. Did you get a sense before the release that this could be a hit? We had no idea or what, what was going on in your mind? You know, I had no idea. I, you know, I was getting paid a little money and uh, it was my first time, but I, I tell you what I, what I did sense. I sensed John had a, this passion for what he was doing. And that's all you really want when you're teaching somebody. You want, you know, in martial arts, if you've got a student that has a passion for that, he's going to go a long way and he's going to do what you tell him. He's going to try to do it to his best. And so in that, in that area, I knew John was going to be great on screen. Um, but, you know, this was a throwaway film for Greece and it, it was, it wasn't really being backed up by a lot of promo and, you know, uh, but yeah, I had a feeling, but I didn't have the feeling like I had when I was at the premiere and I knew then this is a hit, you know, I, there were, you know, and then there were lines around, you know, the buildings and people, you know, once the reviews came out, you know, 
it was all over. And then, you know, the Bee Gees, when I heard their soundtrack, I went, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, so, so the power of the, uh, the, of the music and the dance. And if you remember the, watching him dance, he was right on time with that music. You know, boom, boom, the knee drops, the points. Oof. Oh, yeah, you know, no question. Uh, yeah. When you were invited to the premiere that night and you walked in, I, I don't know, was it Chinese Man's Theater or something or where was it? Yeah, yeah, okay, it was so, the Man Theater. Yeah, so when you went in there and you sat down and wherever you sat and then light goes off and then he started rolling it and then you see the scene where they walk into the disco and then all that blah, blah, blah. And then John takes the girl and hits the dance floor. Did you know that was your scene? Yeah. I you mean, knew that. Okay. See, you got to understand, everything John did, the walk, the movement, being proud. See, when I was, when I was dancing in nightclubs and making money, I was the king of the disco. So when I would come in, guys would go, hey, Denny, Denny, because the girls were attracted to me because I could dance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he got, you know, he understood that. You know, when we used to go to clubs, what clubs? You went to a club where all the girls were, you know? You didn't That's go to point, a club. <laughs> yeah. You know, and they'd let the girls in free. You'd be paying 10 bucks to get in, but the good-looking girls were in free. It's the same thing with dance. Guys will kind of go, hey, hey, he's okay. But the girls, when you can dance, they'll, they'll walk right up to you. You're fantastic, you know? And John had that. When the opening scene, when he walked in, he had confidence. And after the confidence, when he started dancing, people went, wow, you know, he's, his confidence is as good as his dancing. And so it was a whole thing, you know, a dancer, that's a whole thing for a dancer, how you hold yourself, your poise, you know, he owned the club. When he went into the club, he owned it. Why? Because he could outdance anybody there. You know, I try to tell this to my son, <laughs> but he wouldn't listen. <laughs> I told, you got to go where the women are, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so when John hits the dance floor and then BJ's play that the opening track, that's the first time you saw the music and the dance come together? Yeah, yeah. And, and what was that like for you when you realized both orally and visually how he, how he came across? Well, you know, I'm real technical. Like, if I watch myself dance, I'll go, you know, I should have done this a little better. I should, my foot should have been here. So I'm watching it in a technical, you know, as, as somebody that knows the steps, I'm thinking, okay, he could have done a little bit better, <laughs> but the crowd, you know, the people, they were stunned. They were, they were literally stunned. Yes, we and, were. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm thinking, Denny, you're too technical. Listen to the crowd. They're, you know, they're going crazy. They're applauding this. And, and so I knew right then, you know, I was just being a little too technical. But, man, he, he, he knocked it out of the park. I'm telling you, Augustus. He, yeah. <laughs> he's something else. Something yeah, that, else. That, that was an amazing opening to the rest of the movie. Absolutely. So, uh, you hit a, a, triple, a triple hit home run on that one. Uh, <laughs> When you when that opening was ended and, and they were you know they were applauding et cetera, did you think that what you did in 1976 would have such an impact then and even 40 years later? Uh, 
No. <laughs> I, I was just scared, and I was trying to get through my first job and make it, you know, make it look halfway decent. It, and then it was like a this big groundswell, you know. The next thing I knew, you know, I got a television show out of it, you know. Uh, you oh, know, yeah, we'll talk about that. Don't worry about it. It was like it was like the rocket going off, you know, and and I'm just hoping, gee, I hope he does a good job, you know, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. the rest is history, man. He, you know, I'm still doing it in, in you know, 2020, 21, 22. Yeah. You know? yeah, that 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 is amazing. But uh, when you look back on it, you know, 40 some years later, it has to be amazing to you that the thing that you put put together, you know, with the duct tape and chewing gum, blew yeah, up yeah. the world, you know. And it came across so well. I mean, everybody liked it. Young, old, and everybody in between. Well, you know, I always say this. It's so funny because when that movie came out, even guys in Oklahoma were going to dance studios. (laughs) You know you you got a hit there. (laughs) Yeah, you know you got a hit when they're they're getting white suits and going to dance dance school, you know. Yes, I agree. I agree. Well, that was uh, well-deserved. Kudos to you. And I wanted to make sure we – cover every little inch of that ask that subject matter uh, anything else that we leave out on the da- saturday night fever and the music and the dance thing no uh, pretty okay. much covered okay now after the movie was released when did the first contact to you come in terms of hey can you do this next that sort of thing uh well of course they were all trying to get me on the on the talk shows you know and uh so i got a call one day from merv griffin studios and the guy said, Mr. Terry, oh, yeah, yeah. He goes, we'd like you to come on and and open up the show with the dance from Saturday Night Fever. I said, yeah, I can do that. I said, so who's the guest? He goes, oh, so-and-so-and-so-and-so and some dancer guy named Fred Astaire. I went, <laughs> what? You know, so I get there. I'm in rehearsal and I'm doing my thing. And I see a figure back in the in the studio, and he's watching me. I don't know who it is. He's a small so guy. Isn't he? Huh? Is he a small guy? Fred Astaire. Who? Fred no, Astaire. no, not not that small. But yeah, he's he's yeah, about like this. And 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 so I go back to my the dressing room, and the producer comes back, and he goes, "We got to change." And I'm thinking, oh, right off the bat, oh, I, I'm getting scrubbed. He goes, we don't want you to open up the show dancing. I went, oh, boy, here it comes. He goes, we're going to bring you out, and you're going to dance for Fred Astaire, and he's going to critique you. Wow. <laughs> so I'm putting the fire up your rear end, huh? Man, I mean, I was good. I, I was everything <laughs> in my mind. I mean, I hit those splits. And that's when he told me, he goes, there's trained dancers that are good, but the great ones have their own style. And he said, like this gentleman right wow. here. And he even signed an autograph for me. So, you know, weird things happened, you know. And like I said, I I never expected. I just wanted to have a good job on John. I wanted him to be a good dancer. And the next thing I know, I'm dancing for Fred Astaire, Gene Kelly, Donald O'Connor, you know, and, and I'm meeting all these great dancers. So it just went from there. Yeah, yeah. I think as strong as the music was and the, maybe the storyline of Saturday Night Fever, there's no question that the dancing steps that you taught was also a huge part of that overall success of the film. 
Yeah, yeah. So Absolutely. congratulations. Thank you, thank you. And I'm glad you're still uh, able to talk about it. Now, so let's move on to your TV show. So how, how did the Dance Fever TV show come about? You know, like I said, everything happens crazy to me in my life. Um, I, I had been doing some Merv Griffin shows, and there was a there was a, a, a movie out called Thank God It's Friday with Donna Summer. Oh, yeah. And the Commodores and all these great acts. So Merv booked a Thursday and a Friday night. Well, Donna was coming on Thursday, and nobody wanted to come on Friday. They all wanted to come on Thursday. So Merv called me in, and he said, I've got this blank Friday. I don't know what to do. But I always had things on my mind. I said, you know, we should have a dance contest. <laughs> uh, you know, because that was the hit of the uh, of Saturday Night Fever. He looked at me. He said, you know, how would we do this? I said, send me to these clubs. We'll have auditions. San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York City, and Dallas. Wow. Four couples. I said, I'll go. I'll pick out the dancers. I'll bring them in. Uh, he got Bill Bill Wardlow from uh, Billboard Magazine, Regine from New York, and Johnny Ca- uh, Casablanca uh, Casablanca Records, and and we got the Village People to to be the musical act. So I'm on the sideline. They mentioned me. You know, this young gentleman put this all together. I'm sleeping the next morning. I get a call. It's the producer. He said. It's the highest ratings Merv's had in 13 years. We're going to do a pilot. Wow. I had to shoot down to the studio. They held the dancers over. We brought in the Freeman King as the DJ. Uh, we brought in the village people, you know, as the musical act. And we put this, this show together. Next thing I know, it was sold for the summer. 13, uh, 13 shows for the summer in a storage room. I used, I had to <laughs> duck underneath the cameras and be wiped down because we had no air conditioning. <laughs> it, it went eight years for me, that show. Oh, yeah. And I saw many, many of them, especially when you began. So yeah. that was, that was, uh, that was around, I guess you, you must have taped around 78 and then you aired in 79 or so. Yeah, 78, 79. And uh, we are musical acts. We had everybody from Rick Springfield to The Temptations. Yeah. You know, we, we didn't see, they wanted to call it disco fever. And I said, no, that pigeon holds it. You know, let's do dance fever. And, you know, they, everybody agreed. And it, it became, we had country western dancing, we had swing, we had uh, hustle, we had. You know, two girls dancing with each other, two guys dancing with each other. It turned into a real variety type show. Yeah, yeah. And I remember those two uh, young ladies that stood behind you, moving back and forth. And, I, you know, one of them, correct me if I'm wrong, one of them ended up marrying uh, Wayne Gretzky, the great one of uh, ice hockey, didn't she? I introduced him. (laughs) I had Wayne Gretzky on my show. And I'm backstage, you know, they brought him out to sit him down. And I, Janet's pulling on my, my jacket. I'm going, <laughs> don't do that. You're going to wrinkle it, you know? She goes, who is that? I said, that's Wayne Gretzky, you know, the hockey player, Edmonton. What's you know? hockey? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she looked at me. She goes, he's gorgeous. Introduce him. I said, well, we're both about to start the show. You know, Janet, gorgeous Janet. <laughs> I said, okay. So I walk over and I bring Janet. And Wayne looks down because she had the most beautiful long legs. He yes. looks down at her ankles and he comes <laughs> all the way up to the head. And he gives a big smile. I said, Janet, 
Wayne Gretzky. They talk for a little bit. Next thing I know, they're dating. And the next thing I know, they're married. Yeah, I, I mean. I'd like to have 5% of that introduction. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just five. I think that's a legitimate cause there. Uh, I mean, the great one, Wayne Gretzky, just got uh, drafted into the NHL a year or two before that. And so he was, you know, he was a very famous player at the time. And, Absolutely. And I was wondering, you know, I was at that time, you know, small town in North Carolina. So, and I'm looking at you in Hollywood. So I'm thinking, huh, I wonder why she married uh, Wayne. And he, yeah. I, I eventually figured out that I think they're both Canadians, aren't they? Uh, well, I know Janet was from St. Louis. I don't know. I okay. know he's Canadian, but he was a judge on my show. We used to have football players, baseball players. I had Tommy Lasorda on there, Bucky Dent, you know, so we tried to mix it all up, uh, not just entertainers, but, you know, sports figures, pop icons, things like that. And he just happened to be on the show that day. And Janet fell in love just looking at him. And, you know, next thing I know, they're married. They yes. got a beautiful daughter. Yes, I, no, no oh, doubt, no doubt. Both of them are good-looking people. Uh, yes, yeah. Does Janet, do you still remind Janet of how everything began for her? Oh, no, no. I, <laughs> I haven't heard from Janet in years, you know. Uh, yeah, I figure she's got her own thing. She's doing well. You know? yes. Yeah, I don't blame her for leaving the uncertainty of show business and yeah. ending up with, uh, with uh, you know, National League and one of the greatest hockey players. The and great I'm sure she's living a great life. Absolutely. And she's good for her. Yeah, she's a beautiful lady, and, and Wayne's a good-looking guy. So there's no question their offspring is going to be uh, gorgeous as let well. Me tell you, let me tell you the story. We were just starting Dance Fever, and uh, we were always looking for dancers and, and girls, right? <clears throat> so uh, I'm walking. Uh, we're doing the show, and this girl comes on from St. Louis. Great dancer. She goes into the second round. Well, they found out she was underage. Oh. That was Janet Jones. Really? So they had to send her home. So before she left, I said, look, we auditioned for dancers. You ever get a chance, come on and audition for me. About two years later, I'm walking by the audition room. I like to peek in. And I see this girl doing a split in the corner, legs straight up in the air. And I went, oh, my God, who's that? They go, remember that girl that was underage? We had to send her home. That's Janet Jones. Hire right on the spot. I want her hired. And she ended up being with me for about five years. Yeah. So she was 18 at the time. She, she finally made, I think she was 16 when she came on the show. And, uh, she, I think she lied about her age. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. You know, as we all do. Sure. But, but she, uh, yeah, she turned out to be, it, it is so funny because like I said, she was a young girl from, we had to let her go, and she came back. She kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Came back, hired her, and then she married Wayne Gretzky. So, what a story, you know? Yes, yes, that sure is. And the stars lined up for her. Was she a what, trained dancer back in uh, Missouri? She was trained in ballet, but but you know, back then, you know, when you went out to a club, you didn't, you couldn't dance ballet. So you know, she had all the forms of a ballet dancer, but she knew how to not street dance, but she knew how to fall into the choreography you know yeah she she had that uh, uh very uh what do you call it what's the word grace graceful moves oh. when she moved yeah yeah and like I, a lot of you know a lot of russian women are brought up in ballet yeah and and so they got her into ballet when she was real young and she just kept using that you know? yeah. 
And we will be right back after this important message. Enjoy being the host of Dance Fever? Oh, I loved it. I mean, you got to understand, we would do six shows on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, 300 people in the audience, and we'd have to, we'd have to bring them in, run them out, bring them in, run them out. So that's about 900, 900 people uh, a night. And it was fantastic because I'd get through all those shows and I'd have three or four months off. You know, so we'd do a lot of them. We'd put them in the can. And look, I had Barry White on there. I had The Temptations. I had I had every famous musical act, Sylvester, uh, you know, from that time. And so it was great. I'd go talk to him, you know. Uh, I got so good at it that it was second <laughs> nature, you know, and, and it was just the easiest gig I've ever had. Yeah, you know, when, when I used to see you on TV in North Carolina, I mean, you didn't seem like a typical Hollywood kind of a person. You, you were just very down to earth and very friendly, you know, and just yeah. gracious about with everybody. I figured I'd break the mold. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and the funny thing about it is, is if, if you remember, the girls used to bring me the winner's envelope and That's I'd right. give them a little kiss. Yes, and right. when they'd walk away, I'd roll my eyes. Like, <laughs> you know. I, I always, you know, I always think that, like Jackie Chan, I, I always like a little comedy in my dancing, you know, and some yeah. of the dance routines would have comedy in it, played the Mac, the Marx Brothers. And, you know, I, I just think people like to, they don't like real stringent things. They like to see something funny. And, you know, and, and so that's, that's what was my personality. Yeah, that's good. Cause humor is always welcome and humor is always good. You know, it could break things up. And you, I know, I know that you, then he took, your position seriously as host, but you didn't take yourself seriously. No, no, no. Yeah. You can't, you, you can't do it because the whole thing about it is, is entertaining your audience. Yes. Your audience, they don't want to see somebody stiff and yes. I'm so-and-so, you know, yes. they want to yes. relate to you. Yes. They can't relate to you if you're in your yes. own world. You yes. know? So you got to get in their world. Yeah. I just, just so you know, so many years ago, I used to see dance fever on Saturday afternoons. You came on in North Carolina. Wow. And then uh, we go out Saturday evening and do our thing. And we couldn't quite match up to what you were doing, but we had fun and you inspired uh, many of us. See, the great thing about that show, it was syndicated. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it could be 11 o'clock at night in New York, 6 o'clock in North Carolina. You, you know, it, it was on different times. Yep. And, and, Back then, you had the barter system, you know. So I used to have to do promos for every city in the United States where the show was, and we had a lot of markets. Uh, but I love that because, you know, you got a chance to mix it up. If if you saw it at 11 at night and you could see it at 6, you know, you were getting different audiences, you know, because some people don't stay up till 11. I was getting an older crowd. I was getting a younger crowd. And then we went international. We had 72 foreign markets. Wow. I'd get letters from uh, El Salvador, Guam, you know, all over the world. So it really took off. I used to go to the Philippines and get couples 
Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, at that point, was, American culture was strong. You know, people wanted America, what America offered, and including the TV shows. And I'm not surprised that you were successful overseas. Well, and, and you got to understand, nobody had ever seen anything like that. That's right. That's right. Nobody had ever seen a dance contest with judges. Uh, you know, now if you turn on the TV, you see them all the time. You know, yeah. you think you can yeah. dance, dancing this, dance yeah. that, with three judges. Yeah. So we basically started that with the three celebrity judges. Yeah, that's what I thought when I when the Dance with Stars came on. I'm thinking, I've seen this somewhere before. You know, yeah, and yeah. obviously it was you. You are the grandfather of Dance with the Stars. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You should be proud of that. So what do you think about, I mean, obviously as music evolves, so does dance. So how has dance evolved from when we were younger to today? Well, Today, I think most people are, are looking, they're more technical dancers, you know, uh, like we went from technical dancers to street dancers. Now you have technical dancers back again. If you look at some of the dance shows, you know, these people are doing, you know, uh, modern jazz, uh, uh, different, different forms of dance, but it's all trained, you know. Uh, now, every once in a while, you get a street dancer, but... Most of it is tra more trained, you know, uh, uh, you know, like dancing with the stars, you know, they have different, you know, trained forms of dancing. Uh, but they're good. You know, uh, they're, they're very good. Very, very good. Yeah. I mean, good dance. I mean, when you see a good dance, whichever genre it may be, I mean, you can recognize it, right? Yeah. Um, well, you, you recognize the speed, the timing, um, you know, things like, I had turned at just the right moment. See, some people that dance have it. They just have it naturally. And, but then when the, the music hits them, you look at them, you go, that's phenomenal that, you know, like Fred Astaire, he could be doing five things at one time, grab a hat rack, dance with it. You know, it was just so natural to it. And you have dancers like that today. Yes. Yes. Uh in terms of disco, we were living through it. You were leading it in from the front. Right. Did you think that disco as a cultural phenomena would have the impact that it did even today when you were actually doing it? Well, you know, I was around during the underground movement. You know, when you went to a club and, no, you know, everybody was there. You know, you're gay, straight, uh, you know, and it was like a part like Studio 54, you know, and and all of a sudden when Saturday Night Fever came out, it became mainstream. But before that, it was so much fun because people were just discovering the music and the, and the, the atmosphere and, and the ambiance. So, you know, and, and every listen, everything has an ending. This music and this time has not ended, you know, uh. They've sampled this music. Uh, they've gone back and like uh, Rose Royce, they've had their music sampled maybe a dozen times from other groups, rappers. You know, this music was so strong that it, it's still going on now in 2021, 2022. You know, so it, it, was, it was a cultural phenomenal, phenomenon I don't think they'll ever see again, you know, as far as the music. Because some music goes and then it dies and... You know, and, and, and then it comes back a little bit. 
this keeps coming back every <laughs> five to ten years. Boom, it's back, you know. And and how does that make you feel as as one who has impacted the cultural aspect of it? Older. <laughs> 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 older you know and, and it, it, it's so funny because i can't lie about my age anymore because you just go on google you know and i'm done you know what i mean so so uh no i listen i i love my life right now uh no drama you know i have a wonderful son and uh we take care of a lot of shelter dogs and and uh, you know, my life is wonderful now, and I still get to go do shows and hear this great music and, and participate, you know, so. That's wonderful. When did you realize that you became a cultural icon? Not just the movie, but you became a cultural icon because you start sh uh, showing up on movies or your, your name's mentioned or th that sort of thing. I got a letter from the <laughs> Library of Congress. And they okay. told me my show, Dance Fever, had been inducted into the Library of Congress as a cultural phenomenon or whatever, you know. And I was like, I got to look this up, you know, <laughs> Congress. Whoa, that's a, you know, that's that's quite, you know. So I was the host by name and, and it, it was quite a big deal. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't know any other person that whose name is in, in the Library of Congress for as a cultural phenomenon. But you also appeared in a number of films, too, right? Yeah, yeah, I was in a couple films. Uh, I was on the Love Boat. I, I was the Disco Wolf, which was a big stretch. Um, but yeah, I I was in uh, two or three movies. Uh, Star Wars Two: The Wrath of Khan. Yeah, yeah, I had a lot of makeup on though, so <laughs> you wouldn't recognize me. And you know, I was just starting out. Uh, the Idol Maker. Um, you know, let me see what else. Uh, I can't. Can't remember. You got the list there. <laughs> no, I just, but I, I think we got the point. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I was in a couple films, and and you know the thing about it is, is I really respect actors. Um, I can act a little bit, but I always leave that to the people that have been doing that for years and years and years. See, I really respect great actors. You know, uh, my 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 personal best now is Denzel Washington and Tom Hardy. I think these are two guys that are really, really good actors. Yes, in, in, yes. You know, that's my today actors. Yes. Then I can go back to Humphrey Bogart and all the great Jimmy Cagney and, you know, all the great actors from back then, Gene, Gene Hackman. And, you know, I, I'm a movie buff. And if I, if I can't do something that's extraordinary, I don't want to do it, you know. Right, right. Well, not many people can uh, say they've done what you've done. <laughs> so you're, you're, uh, you're by yourself. Uh, acting is not as hard as it appears, but at the same time, it's not as easy as it appears either. People either underestimate it, they over overestimate it, you know, it seems like. It's a conundrum, you know. I mean, the, the thing about it is, is, is you really have to be committed and passionate about it, you know, because look at all actors. They've had flops, you know, and those flops can be devastating to you, to your career and everything, but the great ones come through it. You know, uh, like I've, I like all John's movies, most of them, but then there's two or three of them that I go, it wasn't a flop, but it wasn't my taste, you know, and, okay. and all your great actors have had those movies that really didn't work out, but they, they keep going. They keep going, you know? Sure. Sure. Now as passage of time passes, you appreciate, you tend to appreciate, you know, your accomplishment, your accomplishments more and more. In 2004, PBS had a special, Get Down Tonight, 
and it was the disco explosion. What was that like to be featured in there? Uh, you know, it was the, was the same questions. You know, they, they talked to me about the, the disco, everything that we've been talking about. And, you know, the funny thing about it is, is people want to hear the inside story. They really want to hear what <laughs> went on. You know, yeah. not not from the PR guys and, and this, that and the other, you know, they really want to hear what went on. And and because it's not all roses and, and, and smell good, you know, there's some things that, you know, you got to work out and that are tough and, and it, you know, but they want to hear that. They want to hear they want to humanize the person. And, and so I've done suit. I've done about a dozen documentaries and and, you know. That's what they want to hear. And me, I give it to them. I don't sugarcoat anything. You know, I just tell them, you know, yeah, this was rough or, or you know, you know, so, and, and I think that's what they like about me. You know, I, I you know, I, I am me. I'm nobody else. This is who I am. And, and this is what happened. You know, well, we like you for and, a lot of reasons. And you can take it to the bank, believe me, because <laughs> I, I wouldn't say, you know, because if you lie, you always get caught, you know? Yes. Yes. Oh, we, we like you. When you lied, you lied, you know. Yeah, we like you for a lot of reasons. So, you know, not to worry about that. You're, you're, I think it's accurate to say you're a dancer and a choreographer. Which one do you enjoy more nowadays? Uh, dancer. You know, really? chore, choreographer is, uh, it's, it's something that, you know, you do, but the, the other person might not you know, might not do it well. Uh, one of my favorite movies was The Idol Maker, where uh, I choreographed all the singers and the movement in that movie. And, you know, I, I think I, I think the job on Saturday Night Fever was wonderful, but I love doing The Idol Maker. And for anybody that's ever seen it, it's about uh, payola back in the 50s. And it's about, you know, when Elvis is around and, and trying to hit the charts, you know, Fabian and Frank Avalon. And, but it's really a wonderful movie. It's called The Idol Maker. Yeah. Uh, Taylor yeah. Hackford, that was his first movie. Uh, he did Officer and a Gentleman after that, won an, an Academy Award. And I had so much fun doing that. I worked with the James Cleveland Choir. I worked with stages with, with uh, scrims and steps and stairs. And that's the best work I've ever done with The Idol Maker. Great. Good to know. Good to know. You also worked with Karen Lynn Gordney. And yeah. Just to refresh everybody's memory, Karen Lynn Gordney was the woman that they, uh, Travolta fell in love with in the film Saturday Night Live, and they do that uh, dance in that like a ballet classroom type of setting, right? right. Yeah. What, what was uh, you had a chance to dance with her or perform as her partner? So what was that like? Tell us. Give us some background on that. Uh She's a wonderful lady. And when we, when, we first, when we first heard about it, she goes, you know, it's been a long time. And, you know, I said, <laughs> come here, you know, just follow me. And we went on stage and we just killed it, you know, uh, because that's what I do, you know, as a teacher and everything. I said, just follow me. She was wonderful. Uh, and I'm actually going to say, she goes, it was easier with you. <laughs> I'm not, not going to say the other name, but she goes, it was easier with you, you know, but of course I'm a choreographer, so it would be easier with me, you know, um, but no, lovely lady. Yeah. And I got to dance with her afterwards, which was 
phenomenal, you know, because it, it brought the audience right back to Saturday Night Fever. You know? Oh, yeah. And the song More Than a Woman in the background. Yeah. yeah. Was she a natural yeah. dancer or what, what did you think about that? She was a, she's a Broadway person, which they have to dance. You know, they have to know dancing. And yeah, Broadway is you got to know dance. You got to sing. You got to do it all. And and how does I don't know if you had a chance with with her to ask her. I mean, how do you, what kind of sense do you get from her about her reminiscing about that film? Does she miss it? Well, you know, that was the best thing I think she's ever done. So I know she's been in other movies, uh, Broadway and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I mean, everybody when she did that film, everybody knew who she was. You know, Karen Lynn Gorning. And, you know, you say, well, that was John's partner. He was in love with her. That movie there was two stars that came out of that movie. I think Carolyn Gorney and John Travolta, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you just, you just remembered them. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that was, that was her, that was a good time for her. Yeah. Beautiful lady. Um, and she, I think I looked her up recently and she's still beautiful. It just yeah. saddens me to see, you know, the, uh, how time has aged everybody, including myself. And it's just kind of sad because you remember them in their prime, you know, that, that moment in time, you know? Yeah. 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 But, you know, I mean, it happens to all of us. So, you know, what I have to say to people out there, it's going to happen to you too. You know? <laughs> so just be ready for it. You know, is it, is it a, one of those just matter of time? It's just a matter of time. <laughs> and like, like we were talking about, keep your spirit young, you know, uh, stay young, uh, keep your weight. You got to keep your weight right. You know what I mean? You got to keep that weight right. Other than that, stay young. Hey, Here. it's work for you. I mean, you look really, really young and you're really energetic. I mean, you look good, man. Still 150. Still 150. <laughs> really? That is amazing. Yeah. All right. You. So what's, uh, what's on your future plate? Well, you know, I've got a great management company. Uh, Dave Oriole is my manager and out of Boston. Uh, he's before this pandemic showed up, we had it sewed up from here to the, from the East coast to the West coast of California. Uh, you know, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 seaters with some of these great bands and, and a whole orchestra behind us. And, uh, the disc, the disco cruises were going strong. And then of course the pandemic hit us. And so we're regrouping now, trying to get some of those old shows and hopefully, you know, the country gets back and, and, you know, we, we can hug people again and, you know, I can go out in the audience and, you know, music. The thing about it is, is people are going to, people are going to rush back because music is, is part of the soul. And if you can't go see a great show or, or watch, you know, live entertainment, you know, you, you have to have music in your life. Period. You know, I mean, it's just the way it is. And, and I think it's going to come back strong. But, you know, we got to heal. You know what I mean? We, we have to, you know, make sure we heal. And, and uh, you know, it's safe for everybody, especially my demographic, because they're older, you know. Absolutely. I'm not that far behind you. So I hear what you're saying. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, um, next time you go out and hit the sea on a cruise out of Miami, let me know. Because I, I want to. Because I want to feel 50 years younger. You know what? You should do your podcast from there. I can. That's a good idea. Actually, that's a good idea. I can do all <laughs> your uh, guests that you invited. We can have a good podcast down there. It'd be fun. They're all over the ship, and, and they're the top of the line. Absolutely. So let me know about that, okay? All right, Augustus. All right. Well, we thank you, uh, Denny. <laughs>
Uh, what Thank is you. the best contact information if people want to contact you in the meantime? Give that out for us so we can uh, let people know. The Denny Terrio Dance Party. Denny Terrio Dance Party. Facebook. Denny is with one N, D-E-N-E-Y, T-E-R-R-I-O. Dance Party. Facebook. Oh, Facebook. Okay, Facebook. All right, that's excellent. Thank you, Denny, for sharing your Thank life you. with us. And uh, obviously, we wish you a continued success. And this is Augustus Cho for Fry It Out, over and out. Hi, my beautiful people. I just wanted to let you know about a book that's helped me save a lot of money. The book is called How to Buy in Today's Digital World, Tips for Those Who Want to Save a Buck. This book provides step-by-step -step tips on how to save money on your online purchases. It also instructs you on making smart financial decisions when buying groceries, booking flights and hotels, plus lots more. I hope you get a chance to get your copy. I think you'll love it, and I know you'll save some money. Available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble.